Bill and Ted Face the Music is the long gestating and longer awaited threequel of the Bill and Ted franchise. But is this an excellent adventure or a bogus journey? I'm Mike. And I'm Darren. And this is Popscorn. Welcome to Pop's Gourmet Fan Entertainment Movie Review Podcast, and today we are finally, finally talking about Bill and Ted 3, as we mentioned it in about 15 other episodes or so. <laughs> I'm still Mike. And I'm still Darren. It took a while, admittedly, um, but uh, yeah, we uh, <laughs> we got there in the end, so that's fine. We made it on time, much like the plot of this movie. Much like it. Uh, interesting story behind this film is that they they were trying to do this. Obviously, they wanted to do it in the 90s. And then by sort of like 2010, they actually wanted to they, they'd laid out this version of the story. Um, and then John Wick happened. So that kind of sent that off in a different direction. Yeah. Um, it entered. I think it secured a distribution deal and started the, the kind of like pre-production side of it in 2018 there was like a video that came out of um alex winter and keanu reeves on set in 2019 and here we are in the middle of an awful global pandemic and a light-hearted threequel long gestating comedy sequel comes out and well darren i want to hear your opinion first because you have seen you saw bill and ted one and two ages ago Yes. I saw Bill and Ted one ages ago, but only recently watched Bogus Journey. Right. So I feel like it's important to get your opinion before mine. Uh, I thought it was. No, I had a very low bar set just because long gestating comedy sequels don't tend to go well. <laughs> You're right there. I have been scarred by Dumb and Dumber 2 for so long. I have only watched that movie <laughs> once and I have tried to delete it from my memory. Um, and Zoolander 2, let's not forget that And shit, Zoolander yeah. 2, and, you know, you could go on and on and on with this stuff to, to really drill home the point that, you know, even when, when the best of them is Anchorman 2, which is fine, mm. but not exactly, like, you know, as good as the original one, it was a bit worrisome. So, yeah, no, this doesn't, Bill and Ted does not hold the same place in my heart that Wayne's World did. Um, should they ever bring I know they've done like SNL reunions of that for short term and they weren't funny so I'm kind of glad that a Wayne's World uh, 3 hasn't happened yet but yeah I thought this was fine I thought it was it was kind of just there it made me giggle occasionally uh, but it played it quite safe so it wasn't like there was a lot on the line here it didn't really do much that you wouldn't expect now I will point out that um, I've watched this alongside my fiance, who has not seen the first two. So I can only imagine what in the blue hell she thought was going on. Um, <laughs> because it does not really ease anybody into this. You need to have seen the first two to have literally any idea what's going on. Because they hit the ground running pretty fast. Within the first ten minutes, they're back in the time machine. So... Yeah, you've got to be you've got to be switched on to what happened in the previous two movies to have any clue what went on with this film. 
yeah, this is definitely a film for the fans, as somebody pointed out online that was like, you need to have seen the other two films, uh, and you do. But I must say, that made me like this a hell of a lot more than I expected. It wasn't this um, sort of like a slow plodding build back up to the characters that you left behind in the 90s. And it wasn't tr- also trying to be like a a downbeat, grim version of this reboot. It was just very much the third film in this series with the exact same tone, the exact same optimism, the exact same bad acting. And I kind of really liked it. I don't I liked it, but I just don't think it was... I didn't laugh enough for me to really say it was like, you know, anything other than just a kind of fine, serviceable comedy sequel. Don't, occasionally, it made me tease. So there's an, an early scene where they go to couples therapy. Oh, yeah, yeah. Where they, um, they, they, they both turn up at the same time with both of their wives, not seeing the problem in that. But obviously the, the wives are trying to drill down that Bill and Ted spend too much time with each other. <laughs> And they don't see that. So that scene's very funny. And it's little scenes like that that still make me titter. There's one later on that we can't talk about till after spoilers that really does make me laugh. But uh, yeah, it felt like it, it hit all the tropes. I, I think you could have given me a piece of paper beforehand and said, what do you think's going to happen in this movie? And I think I could have got most of it down. Uh, I, could, I ticked off mo- most of the people I thought, these people will all turn up in some way, shape or form. We'll have to do this at, this, at some point. So yeah, I think... Had they played it a bit more dangerous and maybe gone down, like, you know, if they'd gone, like, a grim route, I don't think it would have worked. Mm. It's it's the sequel I expected, let's put it that way. Yeah. I don't want to say it's predictable, because to a certain degree it is, but it's also not... It's not horrifically predictable. It's not like, oh, and this is going to happen, and oh, for fuck's sake, here we go. It is more like a... What is the actual logical next step for these characters? We're joining them 25 years later. What's happened? Where can it go as an ending to this story? And it does go exactly where you think it goes in the very first beat that's laid out in the first half hour of the first film. You know, it is the story, finally, of Bill and Ted writing the song that unites the universe cool let's run with it and this film does that it it does it straight away it throws the spanner in the works of they well it it sets the timer of the actual runtime of the movie that they have to to find things like oh god we've only got 55 minutes to do this and then you look at the timer because this was released on video on demand as well as in theaters um so you can literally just see there is 55 minutes left of the film you're like i appreciate that a lot that this film of all films is running on like dunkirk time of like no we will tell you exactly how long we have to get there that is impressive for that's true but i don't i don't know if it was really worthwhile like if you're gonna do a trick like that put it in a movie for media nerds not the bill and ted sequel. um i appreciate but i i mainly appreciate so the gist is they have until uh 717 to play this song that unites all of time and space and that good stuff i was reading trivia afterwards because i'm an interesting person um <laughs> 717 is exactly 69 420 seconds into the day <laughs> <laughs> which is just nice Oh, very nice. nice. Uh, very nice. <laughs> Jesus. I know. I know that doesn't. It, 
<laughs> I'm glad they didn't bring that up on the actual film because that didn't seem right for a Bill and Ted movie, which is relatively like harmless uh, in that type of thing to have a 69-420 joke. In <laughs> Uh, it, it sounds cool as well, like 717 being that like kind of a little bit of alliteration as well. Yeah. And it turns out it's a fucking shit joke. <laughs> that's that's what I love about this film is that it is just it's relentlessly just trying to do normal comedy. It's not trying to do like other comedies this year. I'm, I'm thinking specifically about um, Lovebirds, King of Staten Island and Palm Springs have all had to go right. We'll do the comedy, but there has to be a tragic note. Mm. And the tragic, the, as far as we get with the tragic note in Bill and Ted is, you know, they haven't written the song and at one point they've got to go and rescue their daughters. And that's as heavy as it gets. I, yeah. I kind of, I like that. I think this is the kind of the attitude that we need in this year. It's something that is just, we've joined these characters later on and 25 years of not writing the song has not made them any less friends. It's not made them any less good fathers it's not made them any less good people Mm -hmm. it's just they have just been bashing their heads against the wall for over two decades they are not in any way woke and that's appreciated um having said that see i thought when i read all the previews i thought there was gonna be a lot more emphasis on their daughters because it's established very early on that hang on i've got names theodora preston and wilhelmina logan are just little bill and ted um, <laughs> yeah, from the end of um, Bogus Journey. Yeah, so it works. I like it. It's um, it's cute that they named them after each other. That again sticks to why they need to go to couples therapy. Um, yeah. yeah. So that you've got um, so Thea, who is Bill's daughter, is played by Samara Weaving, uh, mm. who's in who's been in lots of things. She's popping up all over the shop. Um, she, she, was, she was in Ready or Not recently. Uh, yeah, she was in uh, Hollywood on Netflix. She's a, a big part in that. On the other hand, Brigitte Lundy-Payne, hell of a name, uh, who plays um, Bill, who is Ted's daughter, I've not seen her in anything. I think I've seen her in one thing. She was in Bombshell at the start of the year. I don't think she had a particularly big role in that, but, um, I mean, I really like Bombshell as a film, so that's good. <laughs> but no, I will say, I think she might be the best one in the film because she does a fucking dead-on impression of 90s Keanu Reeves. right. It's mm. so good. <laughs> Whatever top she's good. wearing is very distracting. Like oh, she's with got, the green lines. Yeah, it's got this. She's like wearing a track top. Like it's like almost like a swimming like costume that she's mm. wearing, and I don't know why. I find it far too distracting whilst watching this film. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so yeah, she's doing a bang on Keanu impression. I think Samara Weaving does well as well. She's not really going for the same level of like impressionism. I don't yeah. think, but. No. Um, basically, these two go on the plot of Bogus Journey. Um, yeah. To, uh, to, <laughs> they're, they're having the Bill and Ted movie whilst Bill and Ted are looking for Bill and Ted. <laughs> That's the plot. Oh, yeah. Shit. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, it, <laughs> it's like it's Bill and Ted going through other references to Bill and Ted whilst their daughters go on a Bill and Ted movie. <laughs> That's brilliant. Oh. I find this relentlessly charming, though, like as a thing that like their daughters have grown up. I mean, they, that's the bait and switch with um, the end of Bogus Journeys, that it's not their sons, it's their daughters, which is brilliant. Mm-hmm. And that they just turned out to be carbon copies of their parents. Yeah, it's just so funny. Um, yeah. Oh, my. But 
I've got to give more credit to Brigitte Lundy Payne. Even physically, she's kind of got like that weird, like heavy shoulders rock back and forth thing. Yeah. That early Keanu has. She's so fucking good. We've not actually spoken about Bill and Ted themselves. I've just realised. I mean, there's not a lot to say. They're basically the same as they always were. Keanu's still not great acting, but I think it's on purpose now. I think it's come full <laughs> circle. Uh, this is Alex Winter's return to acting since 1993. Fucking hell. Yeah, he just went, I'm, I've done Bill and Ted. I'm good now. I'm going to go direct. In fact, I'm going to see if he actually directed anything I've seen. Uh, but yeah, they're fine. They're still friends. Um, I've, I've got to say, I've really missed Alex Winter in this role as well. He was it, it surprisingly just stepped back in, and I fully believe that this was an older Bill. Yeah, well, I've just had a look. Um, he hasn't, even though he quit to do directing, he hasn't directed a lot. There is a gap between 1999's Fever and 2012's Downloaded. However, he did direct the Smosh movie. <laughs> oh, God, no. <laughs> How dreadful. Uh, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> okay, he's done TV directing. There it is. He did Ben 10 TV movies. Oh, shit. Okay. He's got a... He's got a very... Uh, let's say mixed bag. That's not the right word I'm looking for. He's got a very uh, eclectic directing career, including lots of uh, music videos for the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Wow, he has gone around. I'm sure he's fine. Um... I'm sure he's well paid and stuff. But yeah, so this is his first one. He even went back to acting classes to get ready for this film. But yeah, he hasn't skipped a beat. He was the exact same Bill as we wanted him to be. And yeah, the dynamic hasn't got stale. It's still like... Because they go to see future versions of themselves where things has not gone as well. Because basically they try and cheat and say, why don't we just go to the future and get us to tell us what the song is that saves the universe. Um, for every version they meet of themselves are assholes. <laughs> yeah. Or either that or it's the same version. That, that By the end of the film, they are doing like a, a, basically the multiverse of Bill and Ted. Yeah. But it, the main majority of this movie, there is no antagonist other than future dickhead versions of Bill and Ted. Yeah. Uh, there's, there is a great scene with those, with the evil versions uh, where they where they feel like they've stumbled upon the ones that have actually written the song, mm-hmm. and there's a f- fucking brilliant scene and cameo in that, which we won't spoil here. We'll do it in spoilers. Um, yeah, what's surprising is that it actually works. I thought that because the worst part about the villain Ted franchise so far has been the villains, because in in number one there is no villain outside of you've just got to go and do the thing. Mm-hmm. And that works. Bogus Journey had uh, what, Chuck Denomalos or whatever the fuck that was. Mm-hmm. And it was incredibly fucking weak and stupid. And it felt forced. Whereas this time around, they go, right, OK, let's not do that. Let's just do it's kind of the universe is the, the enemy again. And I think yeah. channeling that through an alternate version of Bill and Ted was probably the best way forward. They have kind of got an antagonist. So... I don't think this is too much of a spoiler. So, uh, obviously, we couldn't have Rufus back. Um, they, they found a way to get a, a, a Bill Carlin... Um, uh, George Carlin. George Carlin, not Bill Carlin. Ugh. George Carlin cameo in there, which was mm. nice. Um, but no, he said he's replaced by his daughter, uh, called Kelly, uh, who's mm-hmm. played by Christian Shaw, um, from lots of things. 
yeah. I can't not hear her as um as Louise from Bob's Burgers. Like mm-hmm. I, I've just watched far too much Bob's Burgers and just every line I was like, oh, it's a, it's a four year old child in a bunny hat that's delivering these lines. Interesting. For some reason, my go to is her cameo in the tacky video for Weird Al. Um, oh, I'm not sure yeah, why. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so she's um she's playing Rufus's daughter. Um, she's just fine. She's not really like in it a lot. She pops up occasionally, but she's there very much as the plot device to drive things forward. Yeah, yeah, basically, yeah. Just she's the one that comes in and goes. The quest is here, and that's about it. Come with me to the quest. Um, so, so there's a bit of an antagonist in that you have. Where is her name? Um, oh, she's been in so many things, and I can't find a name. She's in charge of the council. Um, oh, um, bear with me. That is bloody hell. Holland, Holland Taylor. Holland Taylor. Yeah, who is also in um, Hollywood on Netflix. Um, so she turns up as the head of the 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 council of the great ones, uh, and she says, "Look, there's many interpretations of what Rufus believed. Um, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean that Bill and Ted play a song that this unites the universe. It could also mean that Bill and Ted die. They don't really go into what that, why they've come to that conclusion. But basically, she sends an assassin droid after her, after Bill and Ted, mm. um, who I think might be my favourite character." <laughs> Yeah. this could really go either way because this character has really split the reviews right um, <laughs> is it is his name a spoiler or is that i i i don't think it, this film's been out for a while i i like to think yeah. you know what i'll just say at this point we'll, we'll talk mild spoilers from here on out if you want to jump out and not ruin you know the intricacies of the plot of bill and ted three and these <laughs> Feel free to do that. <laughs> You've had your warning. You can get out now. Um, so, yeah, they send an assassin droid after him, whose name is Dennis Caleb McCoy. Um, <laughs> and I don't know how to the... I found it really funny that this, like, pretty decent-looking robot... Like, obviously, it's a human in a costume, but I think he looks pretty cool. And he just turns out that he's, like, crap at his job. He accidentally kills a lot of people or sends them to hell and that his name is Dennis. <laughs> there's um again we're talking about spoilers the scene in which you find out that it's not this emotionless robot that he's introduced as and he's kind of like a really weirdly insecure <laughs> fucking yeah strange man <laughs> Just, and he's like oh i do have a name like basically the the scene in which he's tries to kill bill and ted is he tries to kill them because they don't have the song in the course of the film they get the song in whatever form it is and that kind of sends the robot a bit off he's like oh shit i failed so he tries to commit suicide (laughs) oh god i thought i found this so funny i did um and then so he goes to shoot himself bill and ted go with him to hell and then he's just He's just the unwanted tag along for the yeah. rest of the film, and it works so well. It's so good. There's there's a bit in hell where he tries to have like a big moment, and Bill and Ted just clap him out of it. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! The more See, I think about it, the more I really like this. Film. I, I think I think that character kind of saved not saved the film for me, but he he was injected at the right time. Of like that is just such a a genius character that I wasn't expecting to see. Um, he's played by uh, Anthony Carrigan, who plays Victor Zaz in Gotham. 
Mm. Um, so he's moving on up. Uh, he, yeah, I think he was the highlight of the movie for me. Now, okay, we passed the spoiler mark. There wasn't as many cameos or references from the previous films I thought. I knew Death was going to turn up. He, like, kind of... He was in the trailers. Yeah, so he can't not show up. I'm a bit sad Station didn't show up. Yeah, no Station, although there was a Station shout-out. So there was, was but I was I, hoping... I genuinely thought they got Kid Cudi to play Station in that moment. He just went to Station, I was like, are we doing this? Are we going to make Kid Cudi a weird monster? Oh, but could you imagine? That would have been brilliant. If the whole time he was stationed, that would have been Come on. That would so be beautiful. Because <laughs> that bit happened. Rachel went, why did Kid Goody just say station? I'm like, <laughs> it, it means something. Yeah, don't listen. <laughs> in fact, in my explanation, he just goes, station did not help it. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, God. So... Oh, also, everybody from the family, so obviously both original actresses for The Princesses are back, Erin Hayes and Jamie Mays, as well as um, Ted's dad, played by Hal Landon Jr., he's back. Mm-hmm. Uh, Beck Bennett as Deacon Logan's back. And then what I think makes the opening scene so fucking good, they get the original actress for Missy as well who's now both Bill and Ted's former stepmom and then marries Bill's brother. <laughs> that whole scene where they're doing, like, introducing their song at the wedding, and it's just them explaining all the shit that's happened in their family in a 25-year yeah. gap. All the new relationships between people, like, uh, he's both, <laughs> Billy's now his own uncle. And all this stuff. <laughs> it's, it's just like that scene from... Uh, only falls and horses when Rodney starts dating the woman that they think is Dell's daughter. And he's just writing off the God knows what that makes Grandad the fairy godmother, I think. <laughs> oh man, that was, that was that was really good. Sorry, you were in the middle of a point. I just remembered the opening scene and Harry just immediately set the tone for what I was going to watch. What was my point? Um, I we're, going, we're talking about oh, station. So, so death is there. Um, yeah. It wasn't as funny as I was hoping it was going to be. It was like when he's going yeah. through, like, he had, like, an entire album of bass. That was quite funny. Yeah, um, that's good. <laughs> people weren't ready for a whole album of bass, though. That was, um, it, like, it made me giggle a little bit, but I was kind of hoping for a bit more from Death, because, like, he's obviously everyone's favourite part of uh, Bogus Journey. But mm. he was fine. He was there. It was Him and Dennis together were quite funny, but... Yeah, I was hoping for... I, I, I'll be honest, I'm, I'm very good at stage it wasn't there. I think that would have made the movie for me, but... Alas, um, so it all drives towards... They've got a, a, a... And you can see this plot twist coming from a mile away. They have to drive towards, um, you know, playing the song that saves everybody. Uh, Bill and Ted, daughter Bill and Ted, build a band consisting of uh, Jimi Hendrix, Louis Armstrong, Mozart, some flautist from ancient China called Ling Lun, and a cave woman drummer called Gron, uh, because they're such musical like savants that they know all this stuff. Um, so they've put this band together. They are they land in like an intersection um, in California, and everyone is just immediately on board, despite the fact there's a giant wormhole opening in the sky. Mm. Everyone's down to jam, um, <laughs> and everyone immediately like they back a truck up to make a stage and all this equipment from like a guitar center van that happened to be there appears and like at this point i should be saying 
it's Herbie fully loaded all over again. But it's Bill and Ted. This this makes sense in this universe because everyone just is kind of stupid. Yeah. So it's fine. Again, Rachel, no idea what was going on. Um, but uh, yeah, so they they it obviously they figure out that all this time they've been said that um, Preston and Logan will make this song, but obviously it's not Bill and Ted. It's their daughters, Bill and Ted. So. Yeah. <laughs> you could see it coming from a mile away, but it was a nice change. And they sing, they sing the song that saves the universe, completely devoid of lyrics. Yeah, that was the weird bit. There's, there's this, especially since the film at the start has that weird every world instrument song that they play at the wedding. Mm-hmm. But it kind of feels like there's a song coming through it, and it's like, well, maybe this will be, you know, built in. Maybe the lyrics come to them in like a flash of inspiration or whatever. Yeah. I actually really liked how they balanced the ending bit. So it's like, yeah, the Wild Stallions were at the front and centre of that band. But the people who composed it and put it together as kind of like a DJ-ish set mm-hmm. are young Bill and Ted, are Billy and Thea. Yeah. So that was that was really good. That was the most tasteful use of the old and the new that I think they possibly could have done. Yeah. Really enjoyed that. But it was an instrumental. <laughs> there was yeah. no big song. Bill and Ted, Bogus Journey finished on God Gave Rock and Roll to You. And I'm like, that was perfect. This doesn't end on a good song and it's kind of disappointing. <laughs> it ends on every like inspirational corporate advert you've ever seen. It's just, whoa. Oh, God, whoa. that credit sequence was so shit. I know, I know. Um, but uh, also, in order for them to unite the world, they need everyone everywhere to be playing an instrument so bill and ted and their wives get in the phone book in the phone box even and press the infinity button which means that they can infinitely run instruments to people to play including giving a cowbell to jesus um he's gotta have more cowbell cowbell. um so this implies at some point we could just be sat here minding our own business and then Keanu Reeves turned up with a xylophone and say, play this. <laughs> okay. And everyone's on board with it. I just immediately start. I have no musical like talent whatsoever. So if this fucker turns up with a bassoon and says, what, you've got to play this or the world ends. That's a lot of pressure. Um... <laughs> Sorry, I was just looking on the Wikipedia. Um, there is an album for the movie. And most importantly, the song that they play at the wedding uh, full title being that which binds us through time the chemical physical and biological nature of love and exploration of the meaning of meaning part one <laughs> is on the album <laughs> good good as it should be yeah the part one made me that, yeah. that was the first giggle of the movie um yeah so they they play some, maybe that's because they they needed a song that everyone could sing therefore it couldn't have lyrics it could just have whoa, whoa, whoa. um so that makes sense at least but mm. yeah it's it's kind of got a bit of like terminator 3 about it where you know end of terminator 2 it's so like we stop judgment day but then because they need a sequel they have to go well you didn't really you postponed judgment day but nothing can actually stop judgment day you've got to push it back so it kind of negates the end of bill and ted 2 where it's like we say the universe and we did it but but you didn't though did you and you've got to go again so yeah. I, I, I'm i not saying it lessens Bogus Journey but it just kind of rob it of that really finite feel good ending that you have to go again 
Although there is nothing more finite than the last film of the last line of the film in in this one of just like it zooms out to the the earth and then it, it's either Thea or Billy just goes and everyone was fine in the end and that was it <laughs> the, the film just finishes it's like okay fine whatever there's no great epilogue scene it's just nope. right it's it's been ninety minutes fuck off get out <laughs> fine enjoy some people there guitaring here you go. Yeah, here's Weird Al in the credits. And, yeah, uh, he did pop up. That was nice. For about two seconds. The only reason I knew it was him is because there was long hair and an accordion. Um, <laughs> oh, but the best the best cameo in the movie, Dave fucking Grohl. Right? <laughs> turns up for one line. <laughs> right? Well, it might have actually been his house. It was big and luxurious enough to actually be Dave Grohl's house. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> you, just, you just know that that was that was just Keanu Reeves phoning up Dave Grohl going do you want to be in the film and he was like yes come to my house yeah, and that was exactly how that was done um, I found it really interesting that um, I didn't know Orion Pictures was still going so right. when that logo appears at the start you're like oh wow okay like I thought it was just going to be like the whole opening is going to be um, like stock footage from the old films and it does a little bit of that but they act, they use the old ass Orion Pictures intro, so it properly feels like part of the trilogy. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Orion Pictures have been going. They got absorbed by MGM um, in the late 90s, and they've still been going, but they mostly do television now. Oh. Oh, well, it was, yeah, it was a nice, like the rest of this movie, it was a nice nostalgia kick, and nothing more than that, but. In such a year like we've had, where I mean we've had no movies full stop for a long time. That's true. Um, and it doesn't look like anything big's getting released this year. Uh, now that Bond's gone, and uh, uh, I'm not holding out hope for Wonder Woman actually getting out. Uh, so, well, they're they're still planning on releasing Monster Hunter. So, uh, oh joy, we've always got time for one more entry into the terrible list. I, I tell you, I saw a film the other night. I can't wait to talk about it at the end of the year. It went straight to the bottom. It's the worst film I ever Ooh. saw. And uh, there's only two words I want to tell you as to why I know that it's at the bottom. It's yeah. these two words, Josh and Trank. Oh, oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> that's a little teaser for the end of year episode. Oh, that's usually gold on this podcast whenever we get to talk about Josh Trank movie. <laughs> He's only done three. Exactly. Can you believe it? <laughs> How oh, can God. you have one sterling hit and then back to back two of the worst things I've ever seen? There is an alternative universe where that man made a Boba Fett film. <sighs> Jesus Christ. That's, a, that's an undisputable fact of life. Um, cool. Well, that's Bill and Ted. I'm sorry it took so long to get round to it, but... It was exactly what I thought it was going to be. Yeah, nothing it just more, ended, nothing less. It ended up just being exactly what it needed to be, in my opinion. I think I enjoyed it more than you, but yeah, I'm I'm happy with that. I think it's pretty good. Plug away, Michael. You can go and find me on Twitter and Instagram at that Mike Owen. You can go and follow Darren on Twitter and Instagram at the Guttridge. You can go and follow the site on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook under the username FowlyNT. That's F O U L E N T. Find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or wherever you can pick up your RSS feeds or podcasts under the username FowlyNT or FowlyNT Podcast, depending on your service provider. And of course, go to fansentainment.com for more stuff like this. What's next? Um. I feel like, well, we're recording two episodes today, so I imagine that our episode regarding the Crown Tundra, the new part of uh, the Pokemon Sword and Shield DLC, is either already out or it's coming out next week. 
not sure which way they're going to get released. Mm-hmm. Um, after that, we will be doing an episode on our favourite games of the eighth generation of video games. Um, so covering PS4, Xbox One, uh, Nintendo, Wii U and Switch. Um, and that's going to be out sort of ho- hopefully the week that Next Gen is officially upon us. So probably the week of the PlayStation 5 release because mm-hmm. the, the Xbox Series X releases a week before. And then once the PS5 is out, that's Next Gen officially on us. So yep. it'll be out for then. Um End of the year is looking a bit barren film-wise, but there will be plenty of games to talk about. Um, am I forgetting anything, Darren? The Mandalorian starts in a week. Oh, my God, I forgot about The Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. And speaking of Boba Fett, we're going to see that guy. Yes, we are. So it's all good. we got some stuff coming. Um, <laughs> we're going to make it to the end of this year by hook or by crook. Basically. Right then. Well, thank you very much for listening to this episode of Popscore, and we will see you whenever a film is actually coming out. Let me you know, I'm be honest, at this rate, it's going to be fucking soul, isn't it? That's going to be yeah. the next one. Uh, oh well. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.